Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. We're living in one of the most pivotal times since World War II. And at the same time, one of the most important times in all of human history. Some people have said we're on the brink of that World War III, with nine rogue nations having access to nuclear weapons, with Iran on the back burners of that. That would be catastrophic, with 27% of the world's population being called to jihad, chaos, terror, and murder. This could overtake the world at any time. None of this is a surprise to God, however. He not only knew it would happen, but he prophesied that the days before Jesus Christ returned to earth, this world would look very much like it does today, and that the world would turn in unison against Israel. I'm Debbie Blank. Today, we're going to take a look at these current events again and outline Bible prophecy that could be on the horizon. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. Wars and rumors of wars. It's the first of several signs that Jesus gave in Matthew 24 when the disciples asked for signs of his return. But in the hundreds of years of watching for this sign, there have been constant wars in many places, including two world wars, when people felt certain that this was it. This is the time it had to be, the fulfillment of the sign. But Jesus didn't come. So believers and unbelievers alike may shake their heads and say that there have always been wars throughout history. What makes these current developments as terrible as they truly are, any different? And if these things are different, how? What makes these events unique in lining up for the fulfillment of Bible prophecy in our time? And the answer to that is Israel. In World War I and II, Israel was not even a nation, let alone a player in those wars. Right now, what we're seeing is that the Israel and Hamas war didn't occur in a vacuum. This is the center of what has been transpiring in the Middle East for almost a hundred years. You see, Hamas and their fake news outlets will tell you that they want to free Palestine. But Hamas is already free. The Gaza Strip is independent of any other nation. They are not occupied by Israel. They have complete authority to govern the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, or they did until this war started. And the Palestinians in the West Bank have total control over several cities like Bethlehem, Jericho, Hebron. The reason for all that was so that Israel and the world could see if the Palestinians could indeed govern their people and their territory. What they found is they can't because terrorists have taken over. The fact of the matter is that the Palestinians, whether it be the Hamas or the Palestinian Authority, they've got another agenda. Ali Baraka, a senior Hamas official, recently stated, quote, We made them think Hamas was busy with governing Gaza and that it wanted to focus on the two and a half million Palestinians and had abandoned the resistance altogether. All that while under the table, Hamas was preparing for the big attack, end quote. So one has to wonder, what are the Palestinians in the West Bank waiting for when their slogan is, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free? That means from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. 
if Palestine's going to be free, that means there's no Israeli state. There's no Jewish state. That means all the Jews must be killed or eradicated. So there's an agenda there. Israel is in the midst of an impossible situation. You know, when they um, did move out of Gaza, all the Jews were pulled out of Gaza so that the Palestinians could have that area to govern for themselves. And as you said, they proved that they really couldn't do that. But then I wonder if they ever even wanted to, because that would lead to a two-state solution. And they were not interested in a two-state solution. They wanted there to just be one state, which would be Palestine. And as you said, from the river to the sea, what's in between those two places? Israel. So it would have to be wiped off the map. Consider, too, that Hamas has been working with Iran for nearly 20 years in an attempt to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. That's Iran's goal. For the last two years, Hamas has been obtaining funds and military training just in planning and executing this particular war. Even in September, before the war started, roughly 500 militants from Hamas and an allied group, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, participated in exercises and certain specialized training, which were led by officers of the Quds Force, which is the Iranian force. Now, one has to wonder, how did 500 militants from Hamas get to Iran if, in fact, they're occupied and they can't leave their territory and they're subjugated? That right there is an oxymoron. So the war was designated as a catalyst to stir up the Muslims worldwide against the Jews. And boy, it's happening right now. The reality is the war with the media has already been won by Hamas as to how they have stirred up much of the world. After the war started, the Hamas leader in the diaspora, who's living in Qatar, called all Muslims from across the globe. Remember, that's 27% of the world's population to head to the squares and streets on October 13th and protest in support of Palestine and for the neighboring countries to join the battle against Israel. He called it a day of jihad. Well, jihad means to kill and destroy the enemy. How can this even be acceptable to anyone in the world? And yet we're finding out that lots of people, uh, media, countries, politicians are in fact supporting Hamas and they're convincing the rest of the world to do the same. And for those of you who did not understand what jihad meant until it was explained just now, they also called for a day of rage. So that's something everybody can understand. And they're continuing to do that all over the globe. Consider Israel's situation. They really are in a catch-22 situation because they are the only Israeli Jewish state in the world. And even so, they allow Arabs and other nationalities to be part of their country. So it's not exclusively Jewish. In seeking peace and a two-state solution, Israel's given the Palestinians those entire areas that we've discussed. Had they been able to govern themselves, they would have had a state. Had they wanted peace, they would have had a state. But they have turned down literally dozens of opportunities to have their own state. Because as you said, they only want one state, and that's a Palestinian state. So after the horrific, terroristic, ISIS type of brutality that Hamas struck Israel with on October 7th, how is Israel supposed to respond? Are they just supposed to say, well, that's Hamas. They do this all the time, and we're just going to let them get away with it. We'll make an exchange for the hostages like we always have, and we'll go on as usual. 
Well, Israel cannot do that because now Hamas has taken this to a different level. And Israel recognizes that they are on the brink of annihilation, just as they were in the War of Independence in 1948. And not only is it the Hamas that's coming against them, they have Hezbollah terrorist organization in southern Lebanon. They also have Iran who wants to destroy them. They have Syria who has actually shot rockets into Israel and Israel has defended themselves from there. So they're being surrounded by Muslim terrorist groups who want to destroy them. Israel must respond, and they must respond strongly, because if they don't, these other entities that I've mentioned will destroy Israel. Consider that there's 22 Arab League nations, and those Arabs support the Palestinians. If they decide to fight against Israel, or if Iran shoots a nuclear weapon at Israel, Israel's gone in seconds. Israel can't afford that. They must fight back and they must defend themselves strongly or their citizens will be destroyed. And yet the nations of the world are calling for a ceasefire. Israel's not supposed to do anything. As you said, this makes no sense. Is there any other nation on the globe that would be expected to not retaliate for something like that? And as usual, the UN is against them. That's nothing unusual. So consider, what does this have to do with Bible prophecy? Because we always say the future is all about Israel, and we know it is because it's all about the return of Jesus to Israel. So how does Bible prophecy match up to what we're seeing today? We've mentioned this before just kind of quickly, so we want to go a little bit more into depth in it today. First of all, we are indeed living in the final days before Christ's return. The Bible says that the world looks much like it will do when Jesus returns. So let's look at some general prophecies. First of all, you mentioned already wars and rumors of wars from Matthew 24, 6 through 8. Let me read that passage. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places, there'll be famines and earthquakes. And by the way, we're seeing other nations get involved, and the United States may be involved. And we've already shot some rockets. You may have England and other Western powers involved. We could be looking at this. But Jesus says all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. So we're not yet getting into those final years. We know from Matthew 24, 9, again, Jesus' own words, there's going to be tough times for the Jews. It says, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. We're seeing that today. And next week, we'll talk about the anti-Semitism that's taking place unprecedented since World War II. Israel right now is not only hated by the Muslim countries, but the Western countries are being blinded by media to hate Israel also. Number three, all nations will turn against Israel. Zechariah 12, verses 2 and 3 say, Behold, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples around. When the siege is against Jerusalem, it will also be against Judah. It will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the people. All who lift it will be severely injured, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Now, fortunately, that's not happened yet, but it will So it's a matter of time before the United States and other Western powers give up their support of Israel because the Bible says it's going to happen. We next know that Israel is going to suffer a lot. 
but they won't be destroyed. Because Zechariah 12, 6 tells us, In that day I will make the clans of Judah like a firepot among pieces of wood and a flaming torch among sheaves. So they will consume on the right hand and on the left and all the surrounding peoples, while the inhabitants of Jerusalem again dwell on their own sites in Jerusalem. So they're going to struggle. They're going to be at wars. They're going to have deaths. It's going to be a terrible time for them, but they aren't going to be destroyed. As you're about to tell us, I'm sure, there's a list of the events of Bible prophecy that are still to come. So there is still in Israel. We know that. Well, So they'll survive this particular thing. That's right. We have to hold on to that hope and belief that God has a plan for Israel. He's coming back for Israel. And that's an important thing we need to know. Jesus is going to return. He's going to set up his millennial kingdom for the Jews, that much promised kingdom throughout the whole Old Testament and even into the New Testament. Specifically in Zechariah 14, 3 and 4, it says, Then the Lord will go forth and fight against the nations as when he fights on a day of battle. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in the middle from east to west by a very large valley. We're told that Jesus is going to return to the Mount of Olives. Why return there if his people aren't there? We also know that God's going to supernaturally protect Israel at many times during these final wars. If you read Ezekiel 38 and 39, the Gog and Magog War, you see that that war is won by God destroying the enemy supernaturally, not by Israel doing that. In this passage in Zechariah 12, 7 through 9, we're told that the Lord also will save the tents of Jerusalem first, so that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem will not be magnified above Judah. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And again, in that day, I will set about to destroy all the nations that have come up against Jerusalem. Understand textually that some of these verses deal with the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth, which happens at the end of the tribulation period. So we're not talking about an immediate prophetic response in these verses, but we're saying these are promises God has given Israel. Those promises that there will be war and rumors of wars, there's going to be tough times. All the nations are going to turn against Israel and Israel's going to suffer, but it won't be destroyed. God's going to supernaturally protect them. Jesus is going to return to Jerusalem and Jerusalem will eventually experience peace. As a matter of fact, this verse in Isaiah 60 verse 18 was quoted by Benjamin Netanyahu in a speech a few weeks ago when he said, violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. That will not happen till the millennial kingdom. But he used that verse as a verse of hope because when it starts out by saying violence will not be heard again in your land, the Hebrew word for violence is Hamas. But that's a promise that Israel will eventually experience peace. And that's what we can look forward to when Jesus returns. It's so good to hear that um, Netanyahu is looking to scriptures. We know that in the past he's brought up scriptures when Israel is in such dire straits. We can pray that the people will turn to the Lord, that the government will turn to the Lord. Oh, they need that so much. If they would simply look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, if they would look at the wars throughout the Old Testament or the time of Judges, they will see that when Israel turns to their God, God protects them. If they would simply 
turn in repentance to God. God will open their hearts to himself and to the truth, and I believe he will save them. But they're not ready to do that yet. They're a very secular nation. There's coming a time when they will, but it's not yet. So what can we expect more quickly to happen before all these other general things happen with Israel? Well, the first and foremost thing is the rapture of the church. We can see that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, which says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and there we will be with him forever. That's God's promise to take the church out of the way before the horrible tribulation period starts that's known as the 70th week of Daniel or the day of Jacob's trouble because Israel is going to experience seven years of hell on earth because, as I said, they have not yet turned to their God. But God is going to take the church out of the way because he has not destined us for wrath. Instead, the final years are against those who have turned away from him to give them an opportunity to turn to him and to bring the Jews into repentance. So they're looking toward that day of tribulation, but it won't start until the rapture takes place and the church is taken out of the way. That's our hope as the church, but that does nothing for Israel because as I say, they're going to go through the tribulation period. And it will certainly change the complexion of the other countries that come up against Israel when people who are Christians and believers in the church and believers in scripture and backers of Israel are taken up off the earth. The strongest supporters of the nation of Israel and the people of Israel right now are evangelical Christians, even more so than a lot of Jewish people in the United States. We support them. So when the rapture takes place, that support's going to be gone. And Israel is going to be left to their own resources. Plus, a lot of people will be gone from the United States and other Western countries that have supported Israel. There's going to be a real tumultuous time when that takes place. Now, there's two wars that we have talked about often on this program, and that's the Psalm 83 war, which we just spoke about a few months ago, and the Gog and Magog battle, which is in Ezekiel 38 and 39. We don't know exactly when those battles are going to take place. What we can tell you is that the Psalm 83 war could happen tomorrow because the people involved in that war are the countries surrounding Israel. And right now, Hamas and other Muslim entities are calling on these surrounding countries to invade Israel. So we could see this Psalm 83 war any day. Actually, there's some people who say that perhaps it's already taken place and the War of Independence in 1948. But oftentimes, prophecies have dual fulfillments. So we could be looking at that again. And the Gog and Magog battle, well, it involves Russia and Iran, Turkey, Sudan, and Libya. All of those nations are coalescing today over oil, as well as armaments and other things. They've never been in a coalition before until this time. And with Iran close to and ready for that nuclear weapon and their desire to wipe Israel off the earth... And working so closely with Russia, who has accepted Hamas leadership into Russia since this war started, that Gog and Magog war could happen at any time also. Neither of those battles or wars are time sensitive. We don't know when they're going to happen. We just know that they haven't happened yet, and they will happen in the future. 
So these aren't necessarily a part of the tribulation at all. Might be, but could possibly not be. And as you said, all of these alliances are shaping up. That's correct. And I think that they will take place before the tribulation happens. Then we have, of course, the one world government. In Daniel chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 13, as well as other places in Scripture, we know that there is one final world government. And that could come about any time because of the way we are so intertwined as a global entity now and dependent on one another. Plus, if the rapture takes place before the government's formed, all the governments in the world are going to be in chaos and they're going to want a one world government. And when that one world government is formed, there's going to be a one world leader. And that's a person we know as the Antichrist. Now, understand that one world government could start soon because the time is ripe. It's just a matter of when countries are willing to submit themselves to this one world leadership. We could see a one world government. We could see a world leader or more of the one world government. But we will not see the one world leader that's known as the Antichrist. He will come on the scene according to Daniel 9.27. And it says that he's going to make a firm covenant with the many. But in the middle of that covenant, he will put an end to sacrifice and grain offerings. And on the wing of abomination will come one who makes desolate. Now, what that means is the Antichrist is going to make a seven-year peace agreement with Israel. Israel could use a peace agreement right now. There have been other agreements with other countries, but not a world agreement and not one that has lasted. Even though Israel has fulfilled their responsibilities in these covenants, the other countries have not always done so. But this will be a firm covenant forced on Israel We don't know if it's over the two-state solution or if it's to stop this Hamas war or what it is, but there will be a forced agreement with Israel and some other entity orchestrated by the Antichrist that's going to give Israel peace, but only for a short time, because right after that peace, the tribulation is going to start, and Israel is going to then have to go through seven years of tribulation, as outlined in Daniel 9, as well as in the book of Revelation from chapter 6 through 19. And as we look at this timeline of the events that you brought up and the countries that are lining up for each of those wars, those coalitions that are being made, when we look back at the one world government, we also have some candidates just ready, waiting in the wings to be that one world government. So whether it would be the UN, which is kind of a natural candidate, or the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, and all of the things that they have laid out with the World Health Organization. There are all these global institutions just kind of ready and waiting and eager to take over the world. God is lining up everything in this world exactly as he said he would. All the people that are mentioned in scripture are in place. All of the directives are in place. The attitudes are there. Everything that God has said would happen is getting ready to happen. It could happen anytime. We don't know the day or the hour that Jesus is going to return. So we don't know when the rapture will take place, which I believe will start a lot of these things. But we do know that we're seeing things that no other generation has seen. God prepared the world through prophecy for the birth of Christ. God has given us so many more prophecies for the second coming of Christ and what the world would look like. But we're blinded to the truth of the gospel and the truth of the Bible. People do not have a biblical worldview, so they're not aware of what to look for and what is happening. However, that being said, there are Jews in Israel and there are people all over the United States, Christians and none, who are saying, wow, are we looking at the end of the world here? 
that means that they are questioning what's happening. They are seeing the gravity of the situation that we're in. When the United States is sending their warships and their aircraft and their troops over to the Middle East, when they are shooting down rockets that are being aimed at Israel and aimed at them, then that means the United States is ready, if we have to, to defend Israel, hopefully, and that we could be in the midst of this. And of course, if we are, then much of the rest of the world will be too. These are unique times. That's why it's so important for us to know what's going on. More importantly, to know the truth, the facts from Scripture, as well as the facts of the truth of the reality of the history and the situations. We have a lot of people out there that are saying, oh, this is the beginning of the Gog and Gog War. It's not, because Hamas came from the southwest of Israel. The Gog and Gog War will start from the north. Instead of just listening to what other people are saying, go examine scripture for yourself, like the Bereans did, to make sure that these things are so. Because we want you to know the truth, and the only truth is there that's available is in the Word of God. Get there. Understand. And if you have questions, go to our website. We have all kinds of videos on our YouTube channel. We have lots of radio shows that are documented for the last six or eight years where we have discussions on these issues from the past. We have a sheet on the front page of our website that says, Whose Land Is It Anyway? Those nine pages of talking points of Israel and the Palestinians, documents, facts, and maps about the history of that land and what's really going on. Educate yourself, both in the scriptures and in the history, and then be praying. Then we come to the end, and we're way away from that. We're at least seven plus years away from the end when the Battle of Armageddon takes place. That will be the final world battle before Jesus Christ returns. Because then we have Jesus Christ returning to this earth to defend Israel and to develop the much-awaited millennial kingdom that the Jews have been hoping for. Those are prophecies that are still yet to be fulfilled. Understand, however, that not one prophecy is yet to be fulfilled before the rapture of the church takes place. So we could be called up by Jesus at any moment. The question is, are we ready? Are we ready? We are told in Luke 21, 28, look up for your redemption draws near. What that means is don't just be looking up at the sky for Jesus' return, but be looking up in your heart, in your attitude, in your actions towards Jesus so that we're living the same on this earth as we will be living the moment he takes us into heaven. And in these perilous times, we also have to remember to keep our eyes on Jesus because he is our hope. He's our strength. He's our anticipation of his return. We should be excited about that, that he has called us to live at such a time as this in these last days. So let's follow Philippians chapter four. In verses six and seven, we're told, do not be anxious not to worry. How can we not do that? Because it says, pray with everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. If we will pray, which is that generic worship of God, he, we will find hope and strength and love and security and peace with him. And he tells us that when we will do that, we will experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then we have that we're to dwell on the positive things as outlined in Philippians 4, 8. 
rather than all the negative. And once we do all that, remember to practice the things that God has shown us. In Philippians 4, 9, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Folks, this is the time, as pastor and author and prophecy teacher Mark Hitchcock has said, the world at its worst needs the church at its best. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.